Welcome back to the Reformed Dissenters, the show where Reformed Christians dissent against popular ideas of culture by asserting a biblical worldview. My name is Bruce Johnson. I am joined today, as always, by my brother, Jacob Johnson. Hello. Back in PA, I'm in the wonderful state of South Dakota, and we are interested in hearing where all of you are from. And no, I'm not a Texan, so I won't say y'all. I refuse. Go to our... Uh, I say y'all all the time. Say y'all. Oh, dude. Are you a Texan? <laughs> You're a Texan. No, That's no. What that means you're I think destined I think to be transplanted. I think it's more of, no, it's just it's just a southerner thing. Southerner. Okay, sure, sure. Excuses, excuses. You're a Texas sympathizer. I get it. Uh, send us an email at trdshow at protonmail.com. Show website, trdshow.net. Um, today's topic Friday. Well, it's, it's actually, if you think about it, Texas is better than the state that I currently live in. That, that is technically true, but that can't be said. About a lot of places. Yeah. <laughs> no, Texas yeah. Texas ain't, ain't that well, great. Well, about anyway. a... I said ain't. Uh, How about that? About a small, small few. A small like, few. I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to be in Illinois. I wouldn't want to be in Colorado. I wouldn't want to be in California, New That's York, New yes. Jersey. <laughs> okay, so the list is, is growing. All Michigan. right. Michigan. Michigan. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you don't want Whitmer. That's, that's true. Yeah, no. Goodness, no. Yeah, so, anyways, there's a long list of places you don't want to be. Manhattan, Delaware. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the whole show, we could just keep going, listing yeah. every state but maybe five. <laughs> right, right. There aren't many left. Um, but, you know, if you would like to, you as the audience would like to come and see us in person in a state that, I don't know, is decent, you can do that. In October, we're going to be at the Fight, Laugh, Feast conference in knoxville tennessee and um yeah you know i don't know I, tennessee doesn't make the headlines very often uh in terms of no. politics but there's a cool conference there that's all i know about tennessee at this given moment so hey check us out um what are the dates for that i had that the dates pulled up for another episode and now i've just completely i think it's the sixth through the eighth is actually what that is um so anyways yeah. all on the website and um, their website is flfnetwork.com uh, slash Knoxville um, 2022. It's up on screen, so check it out. flfnetwork.com slash Knoxville 2022. It's Octo Ox October 6th through the 8th. That's what it is. So anyways, we're going to be at that conference. And so you can actually see us in person, which would be so cool because we'd love to meet you um, if you're a listener of this show. There's a ton of cool guests that are going to be there, including Doug Wilson, Pastor Doug Wilson, and uh, we are reading his book this month. It's funny how we get to meet the people that we're like reading the books of in person. That is true. You know, like yeah, April. I was going to state that on the Wednesday episode. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I, I yeah. didn't. I didn't yeah. do that. But... Why didn't you do that? Well, now's your chance, know. you know, like, speak yeah, into no. this, you know. We yeah. got to meet Garrett Amar in April. We were going through his book, God in Government, Volume 2, and now we get to meet Doug Wilson in person after going through one of his books, which is Mother Kirk Essays on Church Life on our literature episode. So yeah, you can meet them too. You know, if you, if you, if you missed out on April, you know, I'm so sorry. I really, really am sorry, but you get a second shot. The year is not up yet. You get a second chance to meet some of these people in person, which is so cool. Let me just, let me just put you on the spot for a second. Yeah. Put me on the spot. What do you and got? what, what does the website say the conference is about? I'm scared. Um, so <laughs> I think it's truth, the serrated edge. What's truth storytelling and the serrated edge? Propaganda. 
propaganda. I know it's yeah, all about storytelling because I listen to the Fight Left Feast Network and they talk about it all the time. So you'd think some of this would sink in. That's you look on the website. <laughs> I know it's um, there's a book called The Serrated Edge, isn't there? Yes, by Doug yeah. Wilson. And you, yeah, look at that. And you're going through that book, I think. Um, and we I, have finished a future, I finished it. Oh, I finished it. it, dude. That's yeah. awesome. Well, we have a future topic episode we want to talk about, but what is like if you had to now put you on the spot? Ha ha! Balls back in your court. Boom. Yeah. Yeah. If you had to like define that term, what does the serrated edge mean? The serrated edge. So the serrated edge is the use of satire as Christians yes. as, as a form of um, argumentation or as a form of. Um, fighting laughing and feasting right <laughs> it would be the laughing in that the laughing and sort of mocking the the other side yeah and and not even necessarily the other side like Doug Wilson goes in on in the book on how really we should be laughing at the modern evangelical church and not just laughing at atheists and people who are unbelievers but mm. also and yeah and but yeah. Specifically laughing at the modern evangelical church. Yeah. Well, he certainly does that in this book, Mother <laughs> Kirk. And this was written like 12 years ago. So <laughs> you imagine what he would say now. Yeah. It's crazy. Uh, you don't have to imagine, though, because he'll be at the conference and he'll probably be talking about that. So Knoxville, Tennessee, right back on track. Woohoo. All right. Um, anywho, check that out. Link was up on screen. And let's get into some stuff here. So... We're talking about our it's discussion Friday. Um, our discussion topic for today is Romans 13, one of the most misquoted and misused passages. Um, you would not believe the amount of people that I've talked to that have pulled up Romans 13 as a response to me saying we shouldn't just do everything the civil government tells us to do. And then they go, ha ha, gotcha. The Bible says... Boom, Romans 13, check it out, as if I'd never read which, Romans 13 before. To which we say, ha I got you back. Yeah, 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 I got you back. And we've got a whole episode yeah. debunking that myth that we should right, just do right. whatever the civil government tells us. So, anyways, before we get into that, though, we have to talk about our verse of the week. And our verse this week is John 18, 37 through 38. And it says, then Pilate said to him, so you are a king? Jesus answered, you say that I am a king. For this purpose, I was born. And for this purpose, I have come into the world to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. Pilate said to him, what is truth? And that's John 18, 37 through 38. So we talked a lot more about this verse um, on our Wednesday and Monday episodes. So if you missed those, definitely go back and check them out. Went into a lot more detail on this. But this is getting at the crux of the matter. Pilate asks Christ, so you're a king? And this was in response to Jesus saying in a, uh, the verse prior to this, talking about his kingdom and saying that it is not out of this world. It doesn't come from this world. It comes from above, but it is global. It takes over this whole world, right? We're given that, uh, that command in Matthew chapter 28 to go work for his kingdom. We're told to pray for his kingdom, that his kingdom would would come, his will would be done on earth. And so he states, Christ states that, and then Pilate asks, you're a king? And Jesus says, you say that I am a king. He doesn't deny it. He says, yes, I'm a king. 
for this purpose, I was born, and for this purpose, I have come into the world. So everything that we're talking about, you know, we're told to seek first the kingdom of God um, and his righteousness. And so almost everything we talk about on this show is related to the kingdom of God in some way. And so I thought that that was, it was, it was high time to bring in this verse and remind us. This is a reminder that Christ is king. And that what we're doing when we're talking about Romans 13, when we're talking about all these sorts of things, is we're talking about what his kingship means and how his kingship changes this world and changes our relationship to this world and how we should be working. Yeah, and uh, if you don't mind me introducing the topic and starting all the, the discussion, nope, uh, go for it. I wanted, I wanted to bring up the, um, the verse in question. Uh, which is Romans 13, 1 through 7, right? Okay, keep in mind, right, you're in a discussion, and you've just said that um, the the civil government is doing this, we need to disobey that. Mm. And then the other person brings up this verse and says, let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed, and those who resist will incur judgment. For rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Would you have no fear of the one who is in authority? Then do what is good, and you will receive his approval. For he is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain. For he is the servant of God, an avenger, who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. Therefore, one must be in submission, subjection, not only to avoid God's wrath, but, sorry, to avoid God's wrath, but also for the sake of conscience. For because of this, for because of this, you also pay taxes, for the authorities are ministers of God, attending to this very thing. Pay to all what is owed them, Taxes to whom taxes are owed, revenue to whom revenue is owed, respect to whom respect is owed, honor to whom honor is owed. And that, that is the verse in question. <laughs> that is Romans uh, 13. Yeah. Or at least so, part of it. That's the part that they usually refer right, to. In right. there. Yeah. The other one, the rest of it goes on talking about none necessarily subject, but something that doesn't necessarily pertain to what we're talking about right now. Directly, but, yeah. But, just think of that, right? Keep that in mind that when you're in an argument, then someone brings this up, it's almost as if oh, you're right, okay, I'm sorry, never mind, don't go against the governing authorities, because God, <laughs> because you know, Paul says this in Romans. Um, I've completely changed my mind. <laughs> Yes, yeah. But I want to give you some context, right? Mm. I want to give you all the other verses, right, that should define how we should understand this Yes. Verse. When Paul is writing this, right, writing this to the Romans, he's assuming you have a firm understanding of the Word of God, right? Yep. He understands that you have read, you know the context of everything, so when he says this, he says it very definitively because he knows he knows that you know the rest of it. 
So let me give you the rest of it so we can have a better understanding of what this is supposed to mean. And my my heading for this uh, section of the show is God calls us to disobey. <laughs> yes. And a perfect verse. And because this is so long, I'm not going to actually read out the entire verse. But go read it for yourself. Um, but I will be giving a brief like context of what this verse this verse means and, you know, a, a brief, uh, specifically what the verse says. But this verse is Acts 17 verses 1 through 9. And it, um, and, but this again is a good verse that shows the people of Christ defying the rule of Caesar. Um, this verse takes place when Paul is going around and is talking to the Pharisees in different synagogues. And he is saying that we are saved through Christ, um, and it makes the Pharisees, um, it makes the Pharisees mad. To which they tell a mob of people that, and this is directly from the verse, uh, and the verse says, These men who have caused trouble all over the world have now come here. And Jason has welcomed them into his house. They are all defying Caesar's decree, saying that there is another king, one called Jesus. <laughs> when they heard this, the crowd and the city officials were thrown into turmoil. So, um, he's Did saying that... Did that just say they were defying his decrees? That's insane. Mm -hmm. They can't do right. that. Yeah. They were saying that the Christians were defying Caesar's decrees. Mm -hmm. Um, so, what does this verse mean? Well, this verse is obviously telling us, um, we are to defy the civil government, right? And they were defying the civil government. And you don't find in the verse where Paul attacks these Christians saying, hey, be subjection, be subject to the governing authorities. Yeah. No, he doesn't say that. Um, but... Moving on to the next verse, um, and again, there are multiple verses which show this, and I'm pointing out multiple different ones, but again, I think there are way more examples, way more verses which show this, and I think you would, uh, be, it would be good for our listeners to go look those up for yourselves to give even better context for what uh, Romans 13 is actually saying. But we come to the verse, Acts 5, verse 27, and it says, And when they had brought them, they set them before the council. And the high priest questioned them, saying, We strictly charged you not to teach in this name, yet here you have filed, filed Jerusalem with your teachings, and you intend to bring this man's blood upon us. But Peter and the apostles answered, we must obey God rather than man. Mm. The God of our fathers raised Jesus, whom you killed by hanging him on a tree. Mm. Yeah. This is, this is saying that, you know, we must obey God rather than man. Yep. Right? We're, we're obeying the civil authorities, right, in, in what they're doing because God instituted them. And we go back even to Romans 13. Yeah. Right? Where it says, For there is no authority except from God. 
Yep. Right. So the question is, so then who sets the tone as to what the civil authority should be doing? Hmm. Yeah. We would have to say God is the one because God instituted them. God is the one who tells the civil authorities what they can and cannot do. Yes. That's where authority truly comes from. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Another, another great verse, which is found in Exodus 1, verse 15 through 21, which says, uh, The king of Egypt said to the Hebrew midwives, whose, whose names were Shifra and Pua, um, and the king said, When you are helping the Hebrew women during childbirth on the delivery stool, if you see that the baby is a boy, kill him. But if you see that it is a girl, let her live. The midwives, however, feared God and did not do what the king of Egypt had told them to do. That, that is right there, the <laughs> most important part of that. Yeah. The Hebrew midwives feared God, so therefore they did not do what the king of Egypt had told them. Yep, yep. That, that doesn't sound very um, submissive to the civil authorities, <laughs> now, does it? Yeah, yeah. But we have to understand that this is with an idea that when it comes to... We, we obey the civil authorities, right, until they start disobeying God, hmm. right? God yeah. is the ultimate authority. As long as the civil authorities are obeying God, we obey the civil authorities. Yep, yep. Yeah, and that's, you know, one thing that um, Pastor Hansen said, I guess, two or three weeks ago when he was on the show that really stuck with me that was really interesting is that, you know, elsewhere, Paul says, wives, submit to your husbands. Um, And yet we would never say that a wife who's being abused by her husband should still submit, right? Mm -hmm. Like at that point, we would say, no, uh, that's a horrible situation. Get out of there. Seek help. You know, don't submit at that point. Right. Um, why then, when Paul is giving authority here, he's not giving authority, he's saying, hey, obey the civil government in this area, right? Why would we then, when they're abusing us, abusing their power, why do we give them leniency and not the other governments, like the family government or the church government, right? right? Yeah. We, we, we raise them up to such a high level that we think they can do no wrong, or... We think they can do whatever they want, which is essentially saying they can do no wrong because we're saying the law of God doesn't apply to them. The Bible doesn't right. apply to them. So they get to do whatever the heck they want and we just have to live with it, which is utter insanity. Yeah. Yeah. And moving on to one final example, and I am i didn't uh, have the exact scripture reference for this, but I do believe it is somewhere within Daniel 6 mm. um, where Daniel... Um, in the lion's den, we're talking about the story of Daniel in the lion's den. He continued to pray, even when the king told him not to. Mm, right. Yep. And all of these are not are not stories saying, "Oh, look at these people; they're wrong for um for disobeying civil authority." <laughs> they weren't reprimanded no. by God. Yeah. 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 They were. They were. Yeah. Congratulated because yeah. of what they did. Yep. Um. So, again, another example of disobeying civil authority. Yes. To which we then, right, to which we then 
take into account Romans 13. Yeah. We see all of the passages which tell us to defy government, that, um, that we need to push back against government. But of course, like most things, as fallen human beings, we take that too far. We say, oh, push against everything civil authority says, because we <laughs> yeah. don't need to obey them. God tells us we can defy government. Yeah. Then, then Paul brings in Romans 13, telling us that the governing authorities are created by God to be God's servants. So we have to obey them when they follow God's standards. Yes. Yep. Yeah. That's a really good point. Dude, you, uh, you did your your homework on this for sure. <laughs> that was really good. A lot of great points pulled in there. Um, yeah, well, I'll, I'll just take, uh, unless you had more to add. No, um, no, go I'll ahead. just take the last nine minutes or a little less and kind of just add to that just a little bit. Um, so what you've set up is, is the precedent for us saying, <clears throat> you know, Romans 13 if just taken out of context, if you had no idea what it was referring to, if the rest of scripture didn't apply, then you could probably make a case that says just do everything. I'm going to argue that it doesn't in a moment, but maybe you could make that case. And you've proven that, but in the rest of scripture, in the rest of context, you've demonstrated right. that that is completely and entirely false, categorically mm -hmm. false. So um, what is Romans 13 actually referring to? Like, why was this passage written? What is it actually trying to say? We understand that it's Paul saying all authority comes from God. But I believe, and a lot of other people believe this as well, <laughs> that Romans 13 is a description of a civil government with authority from God. When a civil government, this is describing what a civil government has to do to derive its authority from God. So, so many people read this passage and somehow think that it gives the civil government more authority than the rest of scripture. They look at this and they're like, oh, the rest of scripture, all right, it's kind of sort of limits it a little bit. And then we get to Romans 13, pff, blows all that out of the water, wide open. It gets to do whatever it wants now. It just, it gives it more authority. But in reality, I believe it's one of the clearest passages limiting civil government and placing it squarely under the authority of God. So Romans 13 verses 1 through 7 describes the civil government as not being a terror to good conduct, but instead to bad. That's verse 3. It describes it as an entity to fear if we do wrong because he doesn't bear the sword in vain. Verse 4. It describes it as a servant of God. Also verse 4. And it describes it as a minister of God in verse 6. So before... Before you continue, I, I just realized something there. Yeah. Right? When you come to verse 3, right, it is a not a terror to good conduct, but yes. instead to bad. Yes. I think the interesting thing there is it's saying, you, you ask the question, what defines good conduct versus bad? Yes, and I'm going to get to that. Yeah. If the civil government, right, is allowed to do anything at once, as most people want to claim Romans 13 says, Yeah. then what is defining good conduct versus bad conduct? Yep, yep, exactly. Yeah, exactly. And another interesting thing here, too, is that it's saying it's supposed to be a terror to bad conduct. It's not a terror to good conduct. Can that really be said about our civil government today? Hmm. Like, this is describing no. a civil government no. that has authority from God. 
can it really be said that this is describing our civil government today? Yeah. I think I that's mean, an important thing to note and to, to discuss and, and consider. Um, so, yeah. So, so I'm sorry. I felt like I cut you off. What were you going to about to say? No, that's fine. Oh, okay. Go ahead. <laughs> All right. So, I, so didn't, I didn't mean to steal your thunder with Yeah, uh, no worries. No, that was good. That was a good point. It's a really good point. Um, you know, in, in this passage, we see civil government is to be a terror to bad conduct as defined biblically um, with the ability to bear the sword, meaning the death sentence if necessary. So there are terror to bad conduct. We have to know what that means, just like what Jacob was just saying. Paul here is assuming that we already know what the definition of bad conduct is. We already read through the books of Deuteronomy and uh, Leviticus and all of those books that give us the judicial laws so that we understand the principles of godly justice. We understand what justice truly is, and we derive those principles from the Old Testament, from the judicial law, so that we know what good conduct and bad conduct is, so that the civil government can be a terror to bad conduct. Um, Notice the limitation here. The civil government is limited to the area of justice, not healthcare, welfare, education, roads, home inspections, restaurant inspections, etc., which by the way, they do every single one of those things and more today. Think about how insane this is. And we just take it for granted. Oh yeah, we got roads. Woohoo, we got traffic lights, stop signs, home inspections. You can't build a house without the civil government getting involved. And yet we call this freedom. Yeah. Oh, feels so free to me. Um, I mean, you ask there, it's like just taking into account what you were just talking about. It's like, all right, let's take into account home inspections. Yeah. How is it rewarding good conduct or, um, you know, going against bad conduct? Yeah. How is it hurting bad conduct and how is it rewarding good conduct some could say some could make the case that the bad conduct is the people building the house that didn't do it correctly again by what standard exactly that's the question by what standard right but also secondly has a crime been committed did the house crumble yet right did something happen that harmed someone no like at that point no and if eventually it does happen that way then you bring them up on charges then the civil government gets involved until then it's none of their business. By what standard? I love that. It's a great question. <laughs> Always ask that question. So, like Jacob said earlier, Paul assumes his readers know the Old Testament and the law. He's assuming that we know what true justice is and understand what good conduct and bad conduct are referring to. We can't take this summary passage out of context and base an entire worldview on it. For example, that's uh it's supposed to to do just whatever the civil government tells us to do we're we're just supposed to do whatever they tell us like based entire worldview based on that on that one passage which is meant to be a summary of the whole bible referring to the civil government it it it's kind of insane to to do that the westminster confession of faith says on page 23 or i'm sorry in chapter 23 that God, the supreme Lord and King of all the world, hath ordained civil magistrates to be under him, over the people, for his own glory and the public good, and to this end hath armed them with the power of the sword for the defense and encouragement of them that are good, and for the punishment of evil doers. End quote. So, 
there's so, so much more we could talk about here, and we probably will in a future episode, just because this gets taken out of context so often. And Christians aren't taught from the pulpit that they're not supposed to just do whatever the civil government tells them to do. Christians aren't taught that civil government is to be limited, and that this passage is limiting it even further. Also, note that people will tie in a lot of times and will say, ah, I'm not voting for a pastor. Right. Like they'll they'll justify voting for Trump, even though he supports LGBTQ. He is a disgusting man in his personal life, or at least has been. I don't know now, probably still um, clearly not regenerate in a lot of ways. And he's very open about it with that personality, that lifestyle. Um, and they still vote for him because they justify it by oh, I'm not voting for a pastor. Verse 6 in Romans 13 says he is to be a minister of God for your good. Did you know that kings in the Old Testament used to have to write out a copy of the law of God before they could be inaugurated? They had to have their own written copy of the law of God. Can you imagine that today? Like if if the president, uh, fake or real, <laughs> the fake one we have today, could you imagine fake President Joe Biden writing out the law of God, a copy of the law of God. <laughs> it's laughable because I don't think he would get through the first sentence. But anyways, let's assume he was cognitive enough to, to actually do that. And then he'd have to rule based on that. Could you imagine right. that? And yet that's what we I are think. Doing. Go ahead. I think with, the, with how degraded our system currently is, mm -hmm. I think even if he did all that, wrote it out, and said all of that, you know, Yeah, he would just, you know, ignore it and then sure. do whatever he wants to do. Right. Just like they do with the Constitution. They, <laughs> yeah. they just ignore it and do whatever they want to do. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. But that, I mean, the whole, the excuse, I'm not voting for a pastor, so I get to do whatever I want. Oh, civil government is different from apparently every other government. And we don't really want it to be under the reign of Christ. We want it to do whatever it wants. And we just want it to stay away from us. We just want it even, to stay off our backs and maybe give us some money in the process. You know, even though the all the other three governments, the individual government is involved in the family. The family is involved in the church. The yeah. church is involved in those, in those other two, you know. But then the, the, the civil government is way... Ah, yeah, it gets to do whatever it wants. Even Even though the rest of them are involved with each other... And that's that's the um, that's like the the tradition, like we were talking about on Wednesday, um, and that's the tradition that each one is involved with each other. This one, this one, we're just gonna put over there, and it's not gonna be involved. <laughs> yeah, it gets to do whatever it wants, mm -hmm. and then meddle and get its slimy tentacles in literally every single part of our right. lives that it's not supposed and to be I involved mean, in. Even though we've taken up so much time, I think uh, we should have uh, also gone into talking about separation of church and state in the yeah. actual real understanding. We'll have of to what spend uh, another discussion topic episode yeah. talking about that. So, but yeah, that's a good, it's a good thought. And that this conversation would have warranted that for sure. If we had some more time, unfortunately, <laughs> we're all out of time, but that's great for another day. Anything you want to add, Jake, before we wrap up? I think I just did. Great. All right. That was your idea. I like it. <laughs> Very cool. Well, thank you everyone so, so much for joining us today, watching us or listening to us. We really appreciate it. Don't forget trdshow.net show website. Send us an email at trdshow at protonmail.com. 
uh, join the newsletter, trdshow.net slash newsletter. Also, hey, buy your tickets to the Knoxville, Tennessee conference. See us in person. We'd love to meet you, talk with you. Um, flfnetwork.com slash Knoxville 2022. I'm actually memorizing it. It only took till the end of the three episodes, <laughs> the end of the week. But I've got the uh, address memorized. Check it out October 6th through the 8th. Really cool, cool stuff there. If you enjoyed this episode, let us know. Like it. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Gab, Getter, all the places that censor us and don't censor us. And um, we will see you on Monday. Have a great weekend, everyone. And remember, in all that you do, do it as unto the Lord. <laughs>